something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton, and I'll be your host. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures. I just want the juicy stuff. So I'm on a mission to find out the frightening, filthy and downright jaw-dropping stories of these stately homes and the people in them. On today's episode, we're at Salisbury Hall, just outside of Preston in Lancashire. And we're going on a witch hunt. It was built in 1325 as a family home for the Southworths, who were staunch Catholics throughout England's Reformation. The place has a turbulent history with murder, betrayal and wild accusations of women making pacts with the devil. Despite all the horrendous stuff that happened here, including women's lives being ruined and them eating babies, Salisbury Hall is better known these days as being a hugely successful wedding venue and they've decided to exchange cooking babies for delicious waffles. Each of their own, I suppose. Still, just to be on the safe side, my producer Bex has left her children at home while we go for a nosy around the grounds. We're approaching the hall now on this lovely sort of circular driveway with a nice lawn and these big mangled trees that look down on you. The building itself, what's most striking is it's just completely painted black with all these white stripes like Beetlejuice and white X's. I mean, much like my Facebook, there's just X's everywhere. Round the corner, there's a courtyard, which is really beautiful, right next to Dottie's tea room and wafflery, should you be a witch in need of a waffle. Who doesn't like a good waffle? Talking of waffling, I'm about to go inside and meet Sharon, who is the hall director, a woman who is full of ghost stories and witch tales, not just of other witches, but she's got a fair few stories up her own witch's sleeve as well. Nice to meet you, Sharon. Thanks for having us here. How are you? You're very welcome, and I'm very well, thank you. I'm freezing. Are it's you? It's so cold. Yeah, we both got jackets on. You've got quite a nice summery-looking dress on, which I don't know how you're managing to keep warm in it. I'm a northern girl, so I'm quite warm most of the time. And we're here at Salisbury Hall. It's an incredible building. Firstly, could you just talk us through how you got involved with the hall and what your role is here. Cracky, yes. Well, 23 years ago, I used to manage a rather nice little inn in the Forest of Boland. And uh, a bride's father came to visit me one day and said, would you take a look at uh, Salmsbury Hall? Because it needs a bit of TLC and we think it will do well out of weddings. So mm-hmm. 23 years ago, I walked in one day and I haven't got out since. 
It's a nice place for a wedding, I think. It's a really impressive looking building. I mean, as you're walking up to it, I'm going to now describe how it looks. To me, it looks sort of like a sort of chess set that's designed by Tim Burton. It's all sort of black with white crosses everywhere. Is that, I'm assuming, to warn off evil spirits? Is that what the deal is? Yes and no. It is a black and white building, so people sort of say, well, that's a Tudor building. But originally, Tudor buildings were brown. They were the original brown and white. It's the Victorians who painted them black and white. The Victorians loved everything in black and white. They loved everything in Tudor, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to paint it black and white. And is there a reason for all the crosses? That is something to do with the Catholicism, yes. And Protestants are the ones living just down the way? The Protestants are the ones across the road, yes. We don't like the Protestants here? No. No? Nope. What's so bad about the Protestants? It's a different religion, of course. And religion during during the 14th, 15th and 16th century uh, was very, very serious. Uh, and that's how it was. And, and, and some of it sort of feeds back even to today. Okay. Well, we've got our big foam fingers in the crowd cheering on the Catholics. Boo, Protestants. Hooray, Catholics. So let's go back to the history of the building then. So it was built in 1325 as a family home. Yeah. So which family are living there? Just describe all the people, all the main characters. Originally, the Duas family built the hall here, having their original home burnt down that was on the banks of the River Ribble. That was burnt down by Robert the Bruce. So they built their new home up here, but they married into the Southworth family, known then as the Southerth family, who then owned the whole four generations afterwards. So we're sticking Robert the Bruce in with the Protestants, don't like him either. No. <laughs> do, do Lancastrians have any friends? No. None? No, <laughs> yeah, we, we, just, we, we, <laughs> we know who we like and it's ourselves and that's all we're dealing with. Everyone else go away. I'm, I'm actually going to just, I'm going to change that a little bit. We are known as the warmest, the warmest county in the UK. Not literally, it's freezing. <laughs> Not but literally. you mean as far as like yes. welcoming? Yes, absolutely. Well, you've been very welcoming. I, I mean, I've just had a very nice chorizo and chicken sandwich from the cafe and it was bloody gorgeous. Lancashire itself, I was just coming here via the train it's got quite a spooky feel about it, if I'm being honest. Like, you look out, the, the, you call them fells, right? Yep. And they are rolling everywhere. And I don't want to say bleak, but it's all gnarled trees and lots of sort of misty areas and places where you can imagine why superstition and people's minds would run amok living up here. Absolutely. And as you are well aware now that the gnarled trees and the fells are a result of the cold weather. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but that does bring the spooks and the witches also. Speaking of witches, Salisbury Hall was home to one or two, possibly still is. At the time, the monarchy was so convinced of the existence of witchcraft that an act was passed imposing the death penalty for a multitude of sins, including making a covenant with an evil spirit, using a corpse for magic, hurting life or limb. Throughout the period, around 2,000 potential hags were tried at Lancaster Assizes, the equivalent of today's High Court, and a place not known for its leniency. More people were sentenced to death here than anywhere else in the country. It's safe to say hangings were definitely a thing. Nobody wanted them, but most people got them. Kind of like that U2 album. In the early 17th century, when the Lancashire witches were first found and sent to Lancaster Assizes, Samsbury became a target whereby one young 14-year-old girl accused three ladies 
Uh, one of them a Southworth of the Southworth family of the Hall. The other two were Ellen and Janet Bailey, and they were accused of witchcraft, and they were also sent to Lancaster Assizes. This young girl accused all three of them, Jane Southworth in particular, of turning a black dog into a demon and having sex with the black dog, which was a demon. They also accused Jane Southworth and the Bailey girls of snatching a baby, sticking a huge pin into the baby's stomach, opening it up, and the juices that ran out of the baby, they then poured into a cauldron and made soup and drank it. That's quite a thing to accuse someone of, isn't it? That's not messing around. Bestiality and... Is there a specific word for, for children eating? They only drank the juice. They didn't actually eat Oh, they just the juice? Yeah. Oh, what's, the, what's all yeah, the fuss about then? It's not quite so bad, is it? <laughs> but you, 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 can, you can see when you read back through the books that they, it, it, the, it does state that they ate babies. And you're saying it was just a baby smoothie rather than anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief that they were only drinking the juices. I was getting worried there for a minute. <laughs> It takes guts to accuse someone of eating guts, especially if you're a 14-year-old girl. But as the old saying goes, behind every accusation of witchcraft lies a bastard uncle. In this case... It was an uncle of the husband of one of the accused. Of Jane? Yes. Yes, right. Yeah. It's unclear why Jane Southworth's uncle would fabricate the story. When the three women were asked what motive he might have had for his accusation, the only reason they could think of was that they goeth to the Anglican church. A pretty flimsy motive by today's standards, but in 1612, if you went to a different church, you might as well have been flying around on a broomstick singing the songs from Wicked. So he got a bee in his bonnet about these people and then manipulated this 14-year-old girl. So in a similar way, because it was the Pendle witches where it was a young girl who outed them as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It does then come back to basically just young girls being manipulated or getting it wrong. Do we know what happened to him or do we know what happened to the young girl? The young girl, I believe, was questioned at Lancaster Assizes and she was taken to one side and really, you've got to tell the truth here because uh, this is is a very serious accusation. And she broke down, I believe. She actually broke down and said, I'm so sorry, I've been told to, to say this. Oh, wow. Thank God, though, for the women. Yeah. After they've been humiliated. I mean, you're not going to recover from that, are you? Once the word is out there that you've bonked a dog... It's very hard to come back from that, I imagine. Mud sticks. Mud sticks? Mm. What's mud sticks? Mud sticks. Well, if you throw mud at someone, it sticks. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. I thought that... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a sexual practice back in the, Lanc- in the days in Lancaster. Just mud sticks. <laughs> Sounds painful. <laughs> so the women do actually get off with this accusation, which I imagine was quite rare for women. Normally when you're accused of a witch, it's it's an unfair trial of like, if you drown, you're innocent. If you survive, you're a witch, you get burnt. These ones actually did get off and managed to, they came back here. Yeah, I, I think our three ladies are the only three who weren't found guilty, ultimately, or innocent, which if they were found innocent at the ducking, then they died anyway. So as far as I am aware that they are the only three who were found innocent of witchcraft how it was for them when they came back here, goodness knows. We don't know. So we don't know. No. Did they spend the rest of their days here? They did, and they lived in a house about a quarter of a mile away, that's all. They just lived there, the three of them. Yeah. Eligible bachelors of the time probably went, well, they're innocent, but I probably won't go there. <laughs> 
Probably. Yeah, I reckon I, I reckon just let them do their own thing. Don't let any dogs near them, just in case. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tried at the same time as the Salisbury witches were the Pendle witches. You can't see me, but I'm using air quotes when I say witches because let's face it, none of these women were actually witches. In all likelihood, they were just women who could read and weren't married. So clearly not to be trusted. Not a lenient court. Suspicion itself was almost as good as evidence. With all this talk of suspicion, I was beginning to doubt Sharon. Luckily, she had an explanation for why my mistrust was growing. I think there's always been a a mistrust of ladies when they are a little bit cleverer than men and when they sort of make certain potions and it's how they've done and how some potions can actually heal. Uh, And because in those times people couldn't believe something that healed without actually figuring out how it worked... That's where the witchcraft came in. It was something that was supernatural. It wasn't, it wasn't done. And that's where they sort of evolved into, into witches, if you would. Obviously, there must be some instances where people have gone to witches for positive things, like being healed, yep. not just, oh, you're having sex with dogs and you're shaking hands with the devil and you're all eating babies. Lancashire especially as well seems to have a real connection with witches, with the Pendle witches who come a bit later... And this witch incident. Why Lancashire? I think the general mistrust, I think Lancashire's, um, I don't want to use the word misogynist, um, but maybe I just did. Uh, I think the mistrust in women, in clever women, was quite heavy in Lancashire. And I, and I do believe that 
it went back a little bit to religion again, that these ladies weren't seen to be religious at all, that they were heathens and, and all that kind of thing. So, and, and the mistrust came in. And when, the, when they were curing people with no real evidence of, of how it happened, and I think Lancashire was quite, whilst it was a larger than thought of county, it, it was still quite in itself, if you would. So the picture I'm getting of 17th century Lancashire was that it was rather insular and misogynistic, with a deep mistrust of women if they showed any sign of intelligence or independence. Thank God those attitudes don't exist anymore. Am I right? And neither do witches. Am I right? My sister became a witch at school. I don't know if you're into, like, Wiccan Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you heard of Wiccan mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, yeah. Have you done Wiccan? Yeah, I, I lived on Pendle Hill and I did have a cat and a broomstick. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking. Sharon's a witch, Tom, run for the hills. But I can assure you there was nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. I do not believe in witches and I can stay calm in all situations. Burner, burner immediately. <laughs> My ex- <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, your ex. Yeah, my ex husband's my, my ex husband's new wife gave me the broomstick. I, I'm pretty sure I know why she did that. Uh, is, that is, is that true? Your ex husband's new wife she gave did, you a yeah, broomstick. Yeah, I lived on the side of Pendle and she turned it one day. Obviously, we. we what have you been doing? Throwing no blood at the windows and going, she, she just, "Damn you!" <laughs> she just said, "I thought you might like this." I said, well, "I'm not too sure that's the right thing to give to your husband's ex wife." Yeah. Um, are you? Are you I mean, you're on friendly terms. We are on friendly terms. Yeah, we always have been on friendly terms. Oh, good. And the cat was ginger. It wasn't black. So that kind of gets me off a bit. Sure. Yeah. That's but much nicer. Th- there's another There's another small link. Uh, I am a distant relative of the Bialys who were found guilty of witch. Well, not found not guilty of witchcraft. Oh, so you got yes. witch, witch in the yes. witch, witch, yeah. witchy jeans. Maybe I have. Maybe I have. My, my mother's maiden name was Briarly, which is descended from Briarly. Ah, right. So, and there is a link. You're saying you did do Wiccan witchy sort of stuff growing up. What's the sort of most witchy thing you think you've ever done? I rode a horse at Pendle on Halloween to the top. Oh, wow. And then sort of did that sort of bucking in, in front of the full moon and... <laughs> I would have liked to have done what, Were you dressed in a black pointy hat? To ride at Pendle Hill at Halloween, yes. That's amazing. Was it a black horse? It was a black and white horse. Black and white horse, yeah. very nice. And did you ride up there on your own? No. With a whole coven of you, or there was a coven of us. There was a coven of us. Yes. Wow. Have you have you ever made any potions before? No. 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 You said that in a. I'm not telling you. There's a real secretiveness to <laughs> yeah, your that voice is a, there. No, I'm not telling you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever you used to do this? My sister used to. She made a Ouija board once in prep school out of pasta shapes in art class. And she tried to talk to the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was successful. So Sharon's a witch. I should have known. What with all the knowledge and being female. Plus all the actual witch stuff, I suppose. How did I not spot this before? Hey, you. Yes, you. Are you suspicious of the woman in your life? If so, you could be living with a witch. Here are some telltale signs to look out for. Does she float? Next time you tie her up and throw her in a river, take a moment and notice what happens. If she sits on the surface of the water, be on your guard. Only witches float. However, if she sinks and dies, rejoice! She's innocent. Is she older than she used to be? Witches are often older women. So if the general passing of time has aged her in any way, she may be in cahoots with the devil. 
And finally, is she a woman? In that case, you'd better not take any chances and burn her immediately. That's all for now. Join us next time when we'll be telling you how to navigate the troubles of your domestic situation by developing a drinking problem. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, my, my only um, reference point is Roald Dahl, which is, as far as they've got no toes and big nostrils and they're bald and they hate the smell of children. You just touched your own nostrils there just to make sure. <laughs> You've, um, I say, um, perfectly lovely shaped nostrils. What are some of the signs that they would look for in the back in the day to tell oh, someone was a witch? Warts have to be a sign, don't warts. they? Yeah, yeah witches nice. have to have warts. Yes, uh, a massive one on the side of the nose yeah, is, the, is, the, yeah. is the classic witch yeah. wart. Yeah, a hooky nose. They've got to have a big hooky nose. Yeah, big hooky nose. Green, uh, if they're green. Uh, yeah, kind of green. <laughs> uh, my maiden name was green. Uh, it's not looking good for you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All the boxes keep getting ticked. <laughs> so the concealer hasn't worked on the wart then. Uh, <laughs> straggly hair. Straggly hair. And were they quite often women who lived in solitude? Yes. Which could have once been wise women, and then they're just now sort of any older woman who just has an apartment on her own. That would be me. You're uh, you're, you're not an old woman. You are an. I'm, I'm an older woman. I'm you're not an older, I'm, I'm, but you're yes. not old. Yes, thank you. And also, you're not green at all. You've got a lovely tan. I don't thank know. You. Where, I don't know where you got that from. Um, I, I I took a broomstick to the Canaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Cheaper than EasyJet, I suppose, and more legroom. I'd had an interesting day at Salisbury Hall. But like a witch who'd fallen off her broomstick, it was time for me to hit the road. 
I'm going to have to take you through the, the out-of-bounds ways, if you don't mind, uh, because it's not open yet. I've got to be honest with you, after discovering Sharon was a witch, being taken the out-of-bounds way didn't exactly fill me with confidence. We ended up in the attic, in the witch's room, where there was a ghostly figure wandering around the drafty slats. Some call her the Witch of Salmsbury Hall, but Sharon knew her by a different name. It turns out Bex wasn't the witch of Salisbury Hall after all, and my suggestion that we throw her in the nearest river was inappropriate. I was also asked politely to keep my voice down and stop pointing. Bex was actually working at the hall that day, opening up two rooms in the attic, one of which is going to be the witch's room. I don't know whether that's a tourist attraction or just Sharon's bedroom. Uh, this is the witch room. Very nice mustard colour now. It won't be no, this colour when it's finished. There's going to be about three different layers of depth to go on it. So mm. this is just the base coat. So I'm just letting this sit and dry while I move on to the next room. And you've got a cauldron and a broomstick in here ready to go. All ready to go, yeah. Sharon, is this, any, is this anything like the broomstick that was given to you by your ex's wife? I'm not so sure if it's not the same one, actually. Oh, is it? <laughs> Being trapped in an attic with a witch in her cauldron wasn't exactly the way I saw this episode ending, but there we are. Proof, if ever it was needed, that witches still walk among us. Stay vigilant out there, my friends. This podcast is going to end with you seeing if you can float. Okay. In the river. Where's the nearest yeah. river? Is there a river? There is a river. Have you jumped in that before? Yeah. Of course you have. Of course you have. Right then, well if you excuse me, I've got a witch to drown. If you enjoyed this episode, good news. We'll be returning to Salisbury Hall later in the series, and things are gonna get spooky. Thanks for listening to this episode, see you next time, and as always, polish your broomsticks, drink your kids, and, <laughs> and mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite bad manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomized Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore, and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.